Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's November 24, 2014, and this is episode 449. At the end of October, one of my best friends here in Japan got married, and my wife and I were invited. The wedding was near my friend's home in Akita, a prefecture of Japan way up north on the western Japan seaside of Honshu, the main island of Japan. The wedding was incredible, easily the largest wedding I've been to here, with over 150 guests, and we had a great weekend meeting some of our old friends from my college days here in Japan too. As the wedding coincided with the fall colour in some areas up north, we decided to drive there, taking my camera gear and rainproof clothing, and extend the trip for a few days to pull in a visit to one of my favourite spots in that area, the Oirase mountain stream. Long-time listeners might remember that we discussed photos from this area way back in 2006, in episode 46, and again in episode 200 from 2009, after my second visit to the area. Both previous visits were in the summertime when the trees were beautifully green and the weather decidedly warmer. I'd always wanted to visit the area during the fall colour though, so this was the perfect excuse to extend our trip. As we expected, the only problem with visiting at this time is that the area is full of tourists, but we were still able to pull the car over at many of the most picturesque spots and walked along the river up to a mile or so at a time. It rained most of the two days, but that's how I like it. The colours are literally more saturated when it rains, and the cloud cover removes the need to deal with contrast and harsh shadows. Although I do have one shot that I will look at later when the sun came out to give you a bit of a comparison. Our first stop was at the Choshi Otaki Falls, as we can see in this image. As you can also see here, the usual brown coloured leaves had pretty much fallen off the trees, and this makes the remaining kaide or maple leaves look more prominent, as they seem to fall just a little bit later than the other coloured leaves. I actually don't generally buy into the strong foreground school of thought when it comes to photography. I see a lot of people these days shooting images with lots of foreground elements, and I quite often feel as though these are forced, as though people are trying really hard to compose images as they've been told they should. I really think that you should only include foreground objects when they either really add to the image or when you simply cannot remove them without plunging to your death or into a river or something. Even then, the foreground had better look acceptable or the photo may not be worth making. In this photo, I actually really like the foreground. I think the logs help to lead the eye into the image or lead it back into the image from the bottom edge once you've viewed the rest of the image. There was one obviously cut log in that little pool in the bottom left which I didn't like but 
When I cropped that out in camera, I lost some of the natural logs and the composition felt forced again. So I went wider and removed the cut log in Photoshop. After a walk along the river for a while, we walked back to the car, which took us up back past the falls. And I shot this image from a higher vantage point. There are actually wooden stairs that run along the side of the, the valley at this point. So I set up my tripod with one leg shortened, rested on the handrail, and the other two legs at different lengths on a couple of steps. The problem with this, of course, is that every time someone walks on the stairs, they shake, ruining your photo if you don't watch out for this. I think I must have spent maybe 20 minutes, probably more, blowing the water droplets off the front of my lens as I waited for a break in the almost constant flow of tourists and I managed to get a few frames during the lulls. The previous photo that we looked at was shot at 28mm with my 24-70mm lens and for this shot I changed to my 16-35 and made this photo at 17mm. The first image was a 1.3 second exposure and this was a 0.8 second exposure. Both shots were made with an aperture of f14 and the ISO set to 100. I was using an ND8 neutral density filter to reduce the exposure by three stops so that the water looks like it's flowing like this. Some people say that this is too long but it's per personal preference. Personally, I like to shoot waterfalls with around a half to one and a half second exposure. A quarter of a second is really as short as you want to go if you want that flowing water feel. And of course, the shorter the exposure, the more texture you'll capture in the water itself. The trade-off with long exposures in areas where there are leaves or other moving elements in the frame, of course, is that you can capture a lot of leaf movement. I personally quite like that sometimes. I feel it can add some dynamism, but it can sometimes be distracting as well. So I try to wait for moments when the wind dies down when possible, as well as capturing some movement when it works. Here's another shot from a little further down the river. Again, we can see that the brown leaves had pretty much all fallen, with many on the rocks in the bottom right. And this also results in many bare trees in the shot too, which was in some ways disappointing, but it does help the Japanese maple leaves to really stand out, and in my opinion give the shot a somewhat Japanese feel to it which I like. This was again shot at ISO 100 at f14, but this time with a 3.2 second exposure. I like to go a little longer when possible when there isn't a waterfall in the shot. Waterfalls can go a little bit too soft for my liking as you go much past a second, but for just flowing water, I really like the smooth look of longer exposures. Here's another similar shot, which again feels quite Japanese to me, with the yellow maple on the left, almost looking like something out of a traditional Japanese garden. 
I'm happy enough with the foreground here. The rocks aren't too uninteresting with a bit of moss and other leaves growing on them. But this is one of those times when the foreground is really there because I can't get to another another location and still get a good composition. It's a compromise, if anything. It was actually getting dark by the time I shot this last photo, so I had removed the ND8 and still had a shutter speed of 0.8 seconds. But that's why you can see a little bit more texture in the water than the previous shot. It was raining again as we started shooting the following day, and here's a photo of my high-tech rain cover for my 5D Mark III. People often ask what I do to protect my cameras in the rain, so I figured I'd show you. This is literally just a cloth. It's actually what's called a tenugui, which is a long piece of cloth, often with a nice pattern or a printed scene or a character on it. And over the years, I've inadvertently become a bit of a collector. I probably have around 20 of these, but I find them really useful for various things, including keeping my camera dry, so I generally have one in my pocket at all times. I never cover my lenses because they're all weatherproof L lenses. I just drape or tie the tenugui around the body and like this. It doesn't keep the body totally dry, but the wicking effect stops the water from building up so much that it starts to make its way into the camera. And I also, just when I take the tenugui off to use the camera, I'll just give it a wipe down with it, and then when it gets full of water, I wring it out and continue using it. Use this technique at your own risk though. If you want your camera to be totally dry, I recommend getting a rain cover, but that's pretty hypocritical because I never use one. If I really need weatherproofing, I use my 1DX, which is totally weather sealed. If you fell for the Canon marketing blurb about the 5D Mark III being better weather sealed than the Mark II, you might also think that it's weather sealed, but I can assure you it isn't. I tested that marketing blurb in Iceland last year and killed my 5D Mark III after almost a day in the rain. All they did was improve the weather ceiling in a few areas, but the camera is not fully weatherproof. In general, us humans are pretty well sealed against water, but getting wet, especially when it's cold, can make you miserably uncomfortable, so it's important to keep yourself dry too, of course. As you can see in this iPhone photo, courtesy of my wife, I generally wrap up in rainproof pants and a jacket, and that incredibly fashionable red hat that I'm wearing is Gore-Tex too. It's the Seattle Sombrero from Outdoor Research, and I've been very happy with it so far. I like the wide brim on this hat because it does stop the rain from running down my face or down the back of your neck. Woolen beanies are great for keeping warm, but when it rains, unless you can find one with a Gore-Tex lining, they can be pretty miserable to wear. And depending on your lodgings, they sometimes don't dry overnight either. And there's nothing worse than pulling on a cold, wet hat as you head out the next morning. Well, there probably is, but it's better avoided if possible. 
Note that I also have the rain cover on my Gura Gear Butterfly 26 liter backpack as well. The Butterfly is okay with light rain, but when I'm going to be out in heavier rain or for longer periods in the rain, I generally use the cover. It slips over the bag easily, so it's not a pain to use at all, even when you're accessing the contents of the bag relatively often. To give you an idea of how the quality of light changes, here's a photo when the sun came out for a few minutes during our visit. I don't necessarily dislike this photograph, but my personal preference is definitely for overcast. The leaves were still wet, so are still more saturated than when they're dry, but I'm not a fan of the increased contrast that the sunlight brings. Let me know what you think about this in the comments of this blog post, though. I'd certainly be interested in your opinion on this, too. Remember that you can always get to the blog po posts with the episode number, so this one is going to be mbp.ac449. It really wasn't that long before the rain came down again, and for a minute or two, it rained while there was still some direct sunlight coming down into the valley, which I tried to capture to a degree in this photograph. It's not one of my best, but I'm attracted to the quality of light in this image. I used a shutter speed of a hundredth of a second so that the raindrops would elongate slightly, emphasising the rainfall. You might not be able to really make this out in the web version, mind. There are large parts of the river that looked decidedly drab now without many leaves on left on the trees at all. But before we left, we did find this one last spot where the river flows either side of a small island. And there were plenty of kaide trees there still in full colour. I shot this at a quarter of a second at f16 ISO 100 with my 24 to 70 mm lens at 55 mm. Notice how I framed either side of the image with the large tree trunks. It's often a difficult decision whether or not to frame like this, but I felt it worked here. Ending either side of the frame nicely as there wasn't much more of interest after these two trees. It's a 7 hour drive back to Tokyo in good traffic, or 10 hours if Tokyo gets busy as it did for us on the following day, but either way it's not practical to drive back after a shoot in Oirase, so we'd arranged to stay for two nights. This also gave me a chance to go back and re-photograph the wooden jetty that I photographed here back in May of 2009. The 2009 version was one of my favourite photos of that year and has remained in my Nature of Japan portfolio since, but I like the results of this return visit too, as we can see in this photograph. This is at the back of a small cafe on the Toada Lake and unfortunately the old lady that we met there five years ago has had a stroke and now living in a nursing home. Her son is currently running the cafe though, 
so it was nice to talk to him for a while over our hot chocolate and between my visits out the back to make another exposure. The jetty has been cut back by about 5 metres since I photographed it before, but this time I shot it from further back as well, and for this particular frame I had my tripod much lower than before. This was a 3 minute and 40 second exposure, during which snow clouds started to make its way down the bank of trees on the other side of the lake. The wind got up and it started raining on our side, so when I checked my camera after this exposure, there were a lot of large droplets of water on the front of the lens. The weather stopped play after this, as it wasn't going to work out with the long exposures and the rain, so I was happy that I was able to clone out most of the water droplets in this shot. The ones before this were from a higher perspective and with a much cleaner line across the top of the bank, those dark trees on the other side of the lake, which I didn't like as much. I converted this to black and white in Silver Effects Pro and had initially added a bit of a vignette to make the top of the photo darker, matching the bottom corners but I removed that later as I also like the lighter top of the photo and the vignette on the bottom corners that we see here is totally natural. It was almost totally dark by the time this exposure finished and I was not using a neutral density filter at this point. Note that I will be making this last photograph my monthly wallpaper for December before we switch to some beautiful winter scenes in January and February. I actually released the first photograph that we looked at today as November's wallpaper, and as a special bonus, if you subscribe to my monthly wallpaper during November, I'll throw in the Choshi Otake waterfall shot for free. That's in addition to the 10 wallpaper that you get for free when you subscribe for a year anyway and that is of course followed by a new image every month for as long as you stay subscribed. Click on the link in the blog post or go to mbp.ac slash monthly wp and you'll be able to see details there. Okay so let's wrap it up there for today. I hope you enjoyed our visit to Oirase after a five year hiatus. I have to tell you I really enjoyed shooting the fall colour here in Japan for the first time in a few years too. I have been travelling at this time or simply too busy to get out for the last few years, so it was a welcome couple of days. I'm now trying to make time to get into the mountains closer to Tokyo before this area stops now too. The, the fall colour is pretty much over and I fear that I might already be too late on that one but I'm going to try. I'd also like to let you know that I might be updating the theme on our website again over the next week. There are just too many problems with the current theme and I'm doing some final tests at the moment and will probably go ahead with another switch but I'll do this on the live site so things might look a little bit weird as I gradually make the necessary changes just to let you know. 
Thanks very much for listening today. If you enjoy these podcasts, please share a link with your friends. And if you don't already, please subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast program to ensure an interrupted delivery. You can find me on Google+, Twitter and Facebook, etc. And links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com. So do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode. But in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.